Hi, this is Stephanie Fowler. And this is Tony Russo. And you're listening to another episode of So What's Your Story? A podcast in which we talk to authors and writers about their writing, the stories behind the story, the writing process, and any other sort of miscellaneous writing stuff that we want to talk about. Today on the podcast, we have teacher and author Dr. Roger McIntyre, who spent his career in the child psychology and family counseling fields. His writing is centered on helping parents and grandparents, and his books have been translated and published in eight countries. So welcome to the podcast, Roger. Thank you very much. It's great to be here. You were a professor at University of Maryland, and I'm always sort of curious how that moment happens where you go from saying, okay, I'm teaching this stuff, I'm talking about this stuff all day, and now I want to write about it. How did, how did because I would th- sometimes I feel like if I talk about something so much, I, the last thing I want to do is write about it. But you actually kind <laughs> yeah. of made that leap for yourself. That's right. I did make that leap. In fact, I started out in animal learning. Okay. I trained dogs for the Army for six years, wrote their problems for Vietnam. And um, that, then I sort of started thinking about behavior of dogs and behavior of my kids. I had three. And how they were similar and how the principles were similar. And uh, so that, that got me going on it. And the more I thought about it, I thought, you know, this is really right. And this is really more important than that was. You know? <laughs> right. So, so you started out as an animal behaviorist? Yes. Yeah. And what drew you to that initially? Oh, I don't know. I guess the, the faculty that I had at Northwestern mm. long, many, many years ago. And uh, then when I got out of graduate school, I, I came to uh, University of Maryland when I was uh, 26. I never left. Yeah. I, just, I just stayed there. It's, it, it's been a great place for that particular slice of uh, psychology and uh, very good well it's one of the things that they that they don't teach you until you're in graduate school like you're you're going into graduate school and they're like oh no who do you want to work with and what do you want to study you're like well i don't know and you're you're like well who's who's here and what are they doing (laughs) and you have to pick the most interesting thing that is available to you that's right and uh and if you find out that you know what you well, I, I would like to do this. Well, you can't do that here. What, how about this? <laughs> that, hap- that happens to a lot of students. Yeah. Here, here, go through that. And uh, so when you start off at, at Maryland, it, you, were, you were teaching animal behavior and then you switched over? or No, I had already done some switching. Oh, all right. And uh, I started in getting the regular courses, at, you know, Psych 100 and mm. all the aspects of that, which started making me a generalist because, you know, if you had to present that course, you had to present, you know, all parts of that course. You can't just present what you want to. Right. And <laughs> Although the temptation must have the been. Tem- the temptation there at all times is to always to rate. This reminds me of a story about a dog. You right. know? Well, no. <laughs> no, no, you can't do that. You know? So you have, to, you have to learn to, you know, there's a lot of people in the audience. They have to be, mm-hmm. be serviced, you know. It's really great. So the topics of your books are, so you're nonfiction. You're yes. a nonfiction guy. Mm-hmm. So yeah. when you're approaching the topics that you want to write about, I mean, in your field, there's, I mean, an endless number of topics. How did you particularly choose the ones that you decided to write about? Mainly because they were right in front of me. You know, I had these three daughters. And, uh, you know, every every evening when I went home and weekends and every other time, you know, I was facing those problems. And, uh, you know, you grow up fast on, in that respect because they present those problems right away, you know. Pam came home, you know, with the, uh, my first daughter. And uh, she cried incessantly. She's screaming incessantly, night, day, everything. And Carol and I, my wife at the time, and I, you know, struggled with that. And uh, I started thinking about it. Well, you know, you know, I have dogs that bark too much. You might have heard one. And <laughs> uh, 
you know, I learned what to do about that. And I learned what kind of signals to give. And I started learning how to do it with a human being. I had one in front of me. And, uh, you know. <laughs> He's what you got, right? <laughs> I mean. That's why they call the oldest one the test baby. Right. Well, you know, it's, you can't make any excuses. It's here. It's, here, it's in front of you. And this is real time, so what are you going to do? Right. You know? And, you know, you can't say, well, I'll go read a book. You know, no, no, the kid is here and screaming right now. Fix it. You know? Right. And you try to fix it. That's what you do. And so, w- well, what were some of the tips and tricks you learned early on? Just, I mean, I'm, I'm just a hold them and rock them until one of you falls asleep. Well, when I, <laughs> when I got into counseling parents, I, I learned very quickly the first rule. And the first rule is the first thing the parent has to learn to do is to like the kid. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's very difficult to oh, do. Oh, yeah. No, we had a screamer. Our second one was a screamer. And yeah. it's, uh, I remember we were driving and my wife at the time said, now I know why women leave their babies on the turnpike because <laughs> we were driving. There's no place else to leave them. <laughs> so it, it, it's, hard. it's hard when you're, yeah. when you're yeah. a young parent to get over that. And so learn to like the child. Learn to like, learn to like the child. And you've got to find something to like. And a lot of times when I've started a PTA meeting or something like that, and I'll say, how many people in this room – uh, love their children. Everybody put up their hand. Love their children. Love their children. And they look at me like I'm nuts, you know, because, you know, what kind of a question is this? And I said, well, here's a very similar question. How many of you like them? Like them? How many like them? <laughs> and they, you know, there's a long time for the hands to come up. And so I point that out. And then I say, well, you know, that's the first thing you got to do. Because if you can find something you can like, then, you know, in my terminology, I probably wouldn't do this right at first in a PTA meeting, but that becomes something you can reinforce. Okay, you like it, so you re- you're willing to reinforce it because more of it would not be a problem. Right. And so you start there, and you hit that positive side, and you just keep on going on that side. That's that's what you have to do. And, and so, when did you decide that you wanted to start writing non-academic books for people for for the general? Because these are all general readership books. All my books have been yeah. like that. Uh, uh, for love of children, I wrote for Psychology Today in 1970. Wow. And, uh, you know, it was it's a good book. It, they've had it in their book uh, club. You know, mm-hmm. they, in those days, Psychology Today had a book club and was a pretty powerful place. And so uh, that worked very well. And I, I don't remember why I wrote it exactly, but it was the first thing I ever really wrote of any volume like that. Well, yeah. you feel like you're, you're disciplined more than many. You want to get in touch to as wide an audience as, as possible because yeah. you, you yes. don't have to – you, you can do it without being too technical, and you can bring along the layperson with basic things to make their lives better. Ab- absolutely. And, and you find how quickly that happens. And, uh, you know, when you go through it and you start in on those things and you say to, to, the, you know, to the grandma that can't seem to get along with her grandchild, and you say, you know, well, the grandchild, first of all, wants to know, what are you saying about me? Mm-hmm. Okay. So if, if you know that point, when, you walk, when she walks in the room or he comes in the room and you know that's the thing it's top of their list it may not be at the moment but if it comes up you'll find out it's at the top of the list right embarrass a teenager in high school and and he'll not want to go back right he'll use that as an excuse to quit high school so when you sit down when you decide okay i'm gonna pick the topic of you know um you know one of the books is 12 steps to a better uh teenagers and parents 12 steps to a better relationship when you sit down to to tackle that, um, what is your thought process on how you're going to kind of pull these pieces together? I mean, because the way that I've read about your work is it's very easy. It's very easy to access. You know, you're not making things like super complicated. There's a lot of examples within the work. Like, 
how do you sit down and, and kind of approach it when you say, okay, this is the topic, this is what I'm going to do. Right. How do you, how do you sort that process out for yourself? I do a little research first. Um, for example, uh, in teenagers and parents, I did a lot of work on alcoholism being it's the biggest problem. I, I know that the people think that the drugs are the biggest problem, but actually alcohol outruns them all in terms of numbers of people that it contacts and, and, uh, is a problem for. And so I started working on that and the statistics behind it and, uh, you know, how much trouble we have with it. And then what can we do about it? And it, all of those things tend to lead back to, well, the, the thing that the parents can do about it has to do with talking to these kids. And, uh, you know, you get mothers and fathers both who say, you know, oh, I can't talk to him. He just, oh, he's so angry. I can't, I can't talk to him. We always end up in a fight, so I don't like to do that. I said, well, let's, let's start working on, on how to do that. And, you know, I said, what, find this. This is actually a story that I use several times. I said, find something this week. I usually meet with parents every week or so when I did a lot of it. And I said, find something this week about your child that you like. Okay, and when you find the thing that you like, and we'll talk about how what the kinds of things it could be, then let him know that you know that and that you like it. You tell it to him. Okay, so I sent her home for a week with that 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 assignment. She came back and I said, "Oh, by the way, you know what about the assignment that uh, you know about the liking and so forth?" Oh, yeah, that was funny because I know I I found it. He, he took some dishes out to the kitchen and I said, "You know that's really nice. I really like that." And you know what he said? He said, "What's the matter with you?" <laughs> and I said, oh, well, okay. So we talked that over a little bit. And then I said, well, let's, let's go another week. So we went another week. And uh, I came back to it again. And I said, you know, did anything like that happen this week? And she, he said, yeah, you know, he was saying that I was doing some of my homework and that that was really good. And, and that's what I was telling the child, you know, because he's working on some of the homework. And uh, he got another weird response. You know, said, I don't know how this is working out. And I said, well, what was the weird response? He turned to me and he said, what's the matter with you? And I said, well, no, what do you mean? You know, you said you liked me. What, what is that about? And I said, you know, well, you know, Roy or whatever his name was, you know, I love you. You're my child. I love you. Of course I like you. And this 11-year-old then says, wow. Right. And she told me that whole story just as I told it now. And <clears throat> I said, you know, this kid is 11 years old. He's been with this person for 11 years, and he just found out just now that this other person likes him. Is there something wrong with the way we're communicating about that? You know, and so right. I would work on that. So you know, you've got to find that probably every day, probably more than every day. You've got to make that your biggest topic all the time. That's, that's what you do. That's what parents do, first of all. And that's the only way they get to shape or or influence behavior enough to go in a direction they think is is uh, better for them is that they learn to what is liked they learn what the kid can do and that may not be a, what you want but it's a little spot of it you got to start with that and of course that gets into shaping and tra and fading and so forth that are other sure. behavioral principles that bring about other behaviors that's what we do yeah yeah no i think that's a very i mean you bring up a very good point like this child has been with this person 11 years and just at that moment figured out that he was liked and, and loved. And it's, I think it speaks to a very basic human. It's, it's very basic to our human nature to want to be liked and to want to be loved. And I think, sure. you know, sometimes when there's things like alcoholism and things, it can be hard to 
kind of find those connections, but that's what your writing is doing. You're trying to help people say, these are the connections and how to identify them and how to kind of bring families together. Cause it seems to be what your work focuses on bringing families and helping them to be able to communicate in a better way and go over those details and get the problem straightened out, you know, a little bit. Right. And uh, that's a very interesting part of it because ordinarily what the, what the mother does is, and the father too, is thinks about the problems, you know, Next time I get to talk to Billy, I, I want to bring up such and such because he's got a problem with that. And they're probably right. He probably does have a problem with that. And so they have a whole list of these in the back of their head that they're going to bring up. So sometimes what I will do at the beginning is I'll say, you know, one thing I don't want you to use when you have these conversations with your child, you cannot use the word you, Y-O-U. You can't, not, you can't use that word. So when you start to talk, you know, and you're going to say, well, Billy... You know, how are you doing? And then he says, okay. And you say, well, that wasn't much of a good answer. Tell, tell me what you did today. No, no, you can't use that sentence. You right. can't do that. So what are you going to do? Uh, so uh, tell me what happened at school today. Oh, that's better. You know, at least it's not about him. Because what a, what a troublesome teenager learns very quickly is that every time we get in a talk with mom and dad, they end up talking about me. And problems. And problems. Right. And I get embarrassed. And then I get pissed off. And then I leave. And then they, they think they're failing. And I think they're failing. And, uh, you know, so I end up, you know, out on the front step with my friends. Why wouldn't I? Why would I be in there? You know, I'll go on the front steps. I'll go put my head into a little bo- black box that I have in my hand and play, play games until it's going to make me go insane. But I'd rather do this right here. And punch these little buttons and see how the little thing goes over and eats the other little thing, you know, because I don't want to talk to her and I don't want to talk to him because every time I do that, we go, we, I come up as a topic. Another thing I don't like is the way you back the car out of the driveway the other day or some, you know, right. who knows what it is. But of course, all of us parents have those lists. You know, I know what I don't like about my daughters when they were growing up. I, my daughters are up and gone, but when I had it. And I knew what I should try to get to, but I, I refrained from getting there because you know it has to be over on their side. They have to bring up the topic, you know. So how was it today in French class? You know, well, nothing going on. Oh, I don't. Well, you can't say well something must have been going on. You can tell me about no. You used word that word again. You can't do that. You can't go for that. Right, make it direct, it makes them right. scared. So a lot of time in, in, a, in a counseling situation, what you do is you sit there and, and uh, play act it. You know, Let yeah. me be, I'll be your child. You know? Now, um, I, see, I see the other book is called Staying, another book anyway, it's called Staying Cool and in Control. And do you, did that come out of dealing with parents trying to find a way to, yes, I can, I can be cool. Or in control, but I can't be bold. <laughs> That's, that is a, a, a big assignment to do both at one time. Right. But, um, yeah, the title comes from the fact that a lot of parents get very sick of being a parent. They don't like the job. They don't like themselves when they're doing the job because it seems mean and, and contentious and so on. And so they just want to have the child grow up and be 18 and go away. And then I can go back to that life I've, I've longed for that's way back there, and I can live like I want to. And I'm trying to say, well, you know, maybe we can make it a little happier right here and now if, if only 
we could talk and we work with the side of things that produce a more uh, attractive conversation, you know, and asking him to uh, tell about how bad he did in school today, and uh, you know, I've got your your spelling test here, and you were really bad. You did you did got two out of ten, and uh, this is not good. You're going to have to shape up. And as a matter of fact, you know, you better not go out tonight because you you need to study this stuff. So. Just forget about going out, and that's about the end of the conversation. And then the mother or the father goes away and thinks, you know, see, that wasn't very much fun. This child-rearing thing is really terrible. Right. Well, you know, if you, go to, if you go to those bad points all the time, yeah, it's kind of terrible. But if you go for some of the good stuff, and times I've, I've had a lot of parents that have a lot of trouble thinking of these things. You know, think, what's, what's good about your kid? Uh, uh, I don't know. <laughs> They're not here right now. Right. Yeah. Think yeah. about them. It's quiet. It's quiet in here, isn't it? It's very yeah. nice in here. Yeah. <laughs> Clearly, the work that you've been doing has has been well received because you've been published in eight other countries, mm-hmm. and I think you might be the first author that we've had that's been translated. You know, in in eight other countries. Could you talk yeah. a little bit about what your experience was? It, it wasn't very much of an effort. Zileen and I got together and got our books to the Frankfurt Show. In Germany, there's a big show every year. So they put their, your book out there. And I've never been to Frankfurt myself, by the way. And uh, they show your books. But they're very good about keeping notes about what happens. So if somebody picks up that book, they are very attentive. And they get the person's name. They get the address. They get the company they work for, if that's re- relevant, and so on. And they bring that back to me. They send that back to me. After the show's over, they'll say, well, thir- 13 people stopped by. Nobody seemed to be particularly interested. The one guy said that, uh, you know, he had a teenager at home, but I don't know if that had anything to do with it. And so you got a little bit of information. So then what Adina uh, and I would do is we would contact that person and send them a book, right? You gotta not. You can't be afraid to give away books. So you know, we give. Away. I can't succeed in giving away books. <laughs> I, can, <laughs> I, can, I can only succeed uh, succeed if, if I can mail it. Right. Because it, you know, and don't put a return address on it. You know, there you go. But, I'm but sorry. Then, yeah, that's right. Anyway, um, so I think well, the first time we did this, we got uh, maybe four leads of people that said for one reason or another, that they might be interested in it. And uh, so we wrote to them and sent them a book. And I think on that first time, we didn't get any, but I think on the second time, we did. And uh, we had one, which was Lightbelt, which is a, a, a German uh, publisher. And uh, they wanted to see uh, Teenagers and Parents. I've done Teenagers and Parents five different revisions over the years of that book. Wow. Uh, getting it ready. This is the newest one. But anyway, um, they liked it. And so they translated it into German, and they, they tell you, you know, you can, you can object to any translation problem I, you think we have. And, uh, of course, I didn't have any because I don't speak any German. <laughs> so, so, you know, I just went yeah. by that part. I just went by that part. Whatever you say, I, I, I trust you. you know, do, right. sure, sure. do it, and we'll do it. And that book sold, I think, uh, 25,000 wow. like in German. Wow. 36,000 36, in German. Wow. And, uh, which is more books than of, of a single book. That we've ever sold, yeah. Sure. And, uh, so, that, so that was a, a success. Then a couple others came along. Hmm, the Korean, yeah, the Korean copy was good too. It's, that was not the same book. It was uh, raising good kids in tough times, wasn't it? Yeah, I don't know. Raising good kids in tough times. I think it was that was published in Korean, 
And uh, that, that book sold very well, too. But uh, it's, there's no risk in that, because ordinarily what happens is the first thing the publisher will do is tell you that what the advance is going to be. And it won't be much relative to a, few, to a, a fortune, right. because it'll be something like $600, $800,000. They will just send you a check because for you signing the contract that they can do this book. And uh, this just to tighten you down a little bit and, and, and make them committed. And uh, a lot of the time, that was all we got. We got an advance, we signed a contract, and we never heard from them again. And that, sometimes that's what happens, books in various languages, you know, Slovenian and so forth. Yeah, I was just about to ask. So we know there's English because you wrote it in English, and we know German and Korean. But what are some of the other uh, translations that were done? Well, uh, Slovenian was done. Um, I have to think about it for a while. Polish was done. You know, to even try to tease something out of it, like the title, right? You know, like the title to the teenagers and parents book in German is Pubertat, with an umlaut <laughs> over that last a. <laughs> I'm not even sure I say that right. I, I, don't, right. I, I know it has to do with puberty, and puberty has to do with teenagers. And I know that's how they got there, but I really don't know what the word, right. how, the, how the word would be used or anything. They, they use it, and I said fine. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's funny. Uh, and so I, we we have a, another book here that you brought called. Uh, Grandma, can we talk? And so um, you, I guess, leveled up generationally? Yes. And, yeah. and so what, what inspired you to, to, to start to, to, to bring another generation into the, into the conversation about? Because, because I'm more of that age. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, when I talk to grandpas and grandmas, you know, a lot of time you come across very uh, severely sad people because of the way it went with the grandchild. And, you know, I start talking to them, and I realize I'm right, I'm right back in the same conversation. You know, they're saying, you know, your mommy wanted me to talk to you about how you do your homework because you're not doing too well and that, and I need to talk to you. And, you know, two times around with that, and they're gone, right? They, mm. You know, they haven't got time for grandma. When grandma comes over, they'll be out. Right. Sorry. I, I have, a, you know, i got to go down and see my friend by. I've got a thing. Yeah. yeah. And so I started writing these, uh, the... Grandma, can we talk book to get to um, that problem? And as I started in about the same place that I'd start with a parent, you know, which is, you know, you've got to learn to like this child mm. in order to be able to talk to them. But then you've got to, you know, use a few, a few more rules to know about about what they're going to be interested in doing, and you know how how they feel about friends, and uh, how often they get together with their friends. And you've got to stay off the topic. You, know, you, you have bad friends. I don't like your friends. You might as well tell them to their face that you don't like them if you're going to tell them that. Right. Sure. And, uh, and you, you gain a reputation. Of course, the, the parent does too, but the grandparent uh, specifically gains a reputation. And from the, in the child's mind, grandma belongs to a certain kind of thing that they have come to realize over these talks that they've had, these encounters that they've had with grandma. And so grandma is now fixed as that. It's like, it's like you, you seeing someone on the street that you don't see too often. See, grandmas and grandpas don't see the kids as often as they think they do. And, and from the child's point of view, it doesn't come very often either. And so most of it gets made up by reputation. Mm-hmm. They don't really know that grandma is like this or that or is more, more critical than she is uh, affectionate, for example. But that's what they remember. Right. I mean, the other weekend, she was, you know what she said to me? And then they give you something that uh, is, was bad, you know. And they're saying, it seemed to me a lot of the time, they're saying, Grandma's bad. She said that to me. 
Well, and and when did that happen? Uh, it was two years ago, June. Right. Two years ago, June. That you're carrying that incident around with you as an attitude for you to have towards your grandma. Is it? She said that you shouldn't eat with your hands, and you said that you didn't like that criticism. That's two years. I think you got to start again. You know? But but it's also it also reveals how much that criticism stuck. Right, how wow. how effective it was because you, if you don't if you don't see so if you say something mean or if you say something that I don't like and then I don't see you for three weeks, all those three weeks I'm like that person said something I didn't like that person yeah. and that sticks in the memory yeah you know that that's a big memory that sticks it, better than good oh yeah oh yeah yeah Be- and part of that is that sticks better than good and part of it is just that the good thing was said in some other way it wasn't said directly and clearly mm. how often do the parents say if they don't think about it very much how often they say you know i really like you i like the way you are i like what you do i think you're doing well in school and you're a great kid and i want you to know that and a lot of parents would look at me like yeah i wouldn't say that to him <laughs> <laughs> really you know <laughs> you don't want to give them the advantage <laughs> wait that's the only one you got and, and you're you know you're yes. not you're not playing the cards right right they're not they're not combatants yeah. yeah, it reminds me of something my mom used to always talk about when I was little is like you can do the right thing in the wrong way. Yeah. You know, you can have a particular message that might be the right message, yeah. but your manner of delivery is wrong. You can also conversely do the bad thing in a right way, yeah. you know, but um, so when you were talking, I just sort of remember something that my mom had told me years ago that, you know, there you you have to make sure that you're giving the, the right thing in the right way yeah. for people to really get your message in an effective way. And I think my mom was really, my mom was a really effective uh, communicator, but that just kind of, you know, reminded me of what you're saying. Like, yeah. you know, it's a matter of like how we talk to people. And I think sometimes like in, you know, today's um, environment with kids, you know, and even with adults, I mean, we have cell phones, we have iPhones, we have iPods and we have computers and Facebook yeah, and all that. And I, there's a lot of competition for, yeah. you know, FaceTime, you yeah. know, with a child. So I think, Having a book where you can help, you know, the grandparents maximize when they do get the actual FaceTime with the kid to be able to maximize and be most effective in making sure that, right. you know, the kid knows they're loved and wanted and, and liked and, you know, and to engage with them, I think is, you know, really, really critical. Yeah. And and the, the, the main thing that comes up with me in talking with grand grandparents ordinarily as a mistake, okay, I'll, because of time, I was focusing on that, which I just said I wouldn't do. Mm-hmm. But is didn't I tell you that was right? You know, they'll say they'll say something good. They'll say, you know, I I got that test that spelling test right because I practiced all night, just like you said. Well, didn't I tell you that? Right. Well, you know, that sentence is about grandma or grandpa. Didn't I tell you that? And also, by the way, they took the credit for what for the success that he just reported. Right. right. I did that. If I hadn't been there, you wouldn't have done that. Well, that's true, but I don't know why you're bringing it up. Because I, you know, I, <laughs> did you want part of my A? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. You know, yeah. right. Get an A for effort on everything. <laughs> very, very difficult thing to do. Very difficult. Do you know what I'm never afraid to take credit for? Your limericks. I never am. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you like the show and if you like what you're hearing uh, and you would like a limerick from Tony and a haiku from me, all you have to do is go to our website, which is www.so what's your story podcast.com. 
Click on the Contact Us button. Give us your name, a mailing address. Pick a word. Tony will put that word into a limerick. I will put it into a haiku. We will put it on a fancy schmancy postcard. Slap a stamp on it, and we're going to pay somebody to bring it to your house. Just like it's 1856. Or 1905. Why not? (laughs) (laughs) All right, Stephanie. Well, now this is the part of the show where you thank the guests. Well, Roger, thank you so much for being on the show and talking with us. You're very welcome. I appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. So What's Your Story was recorded at Saltwater Media, an indie book publisher in Berlin, Maryland. Visit us at SoWhatsYourStoryPodcast.com, where you can find past episodes, guest bios, show notes, and all sorts of fun stuff. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. And if you like it, then feel free to give us a good review. Tell your story.